He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! The OG of Jets podcasting and blogging is back! Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in! Live from the Vivid Seat Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME for up to $100 off your first ticket purchase after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back, the real me, let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton and Josh Conrad on Turn on the Jets Digital. Welcome back. To another edition of There's Always Next Year, the most aptly named Jets podcast on the planet. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. I'm here with my two comrade-in-arms, Josh Conrad, who you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad, and chef extraordinaire Travis Milton, who you can find on Twitter at Dash 37 Board 27. I sound so chipper, gentlemen, because the Jets covered, and that's the same as winning, right? Did you win money? Yeah. (laughs) It's not the same? It's not the same thing? I don't no, think I, mean, so. I would bet. No, I'm, no, I, w- I, w- I would have. I would have bet the other way. Are you kidding me? Even without AB, I would have bet the other way. Are we now down to th- three weeks into the season, heading into the bye week, taking moral victories? Like, what are what are we doing here at this point? I'm. I gave up. I'm. Geez, like I brought it up last week. The all I hoped for was that the offense would continue the trend of outscoring the defense, and now our defense has more points than the offense. So my, my, the last thing I was clinging to, and I think I left last podcast as, as the one like hopeful. And now yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done. You're done. Okay. Well, gone. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but, uh, but Travis, Josh, doesn't Travis voice sound really gravelly? Look, what is, I would not like Travis. I just want to hear the story. I know there's a story. Like, I mean, I, I've drinking a lot of LaCroix and like bubbly water, you know, in my time. And I don't really ever, when I drink LaCroix, get a really, really gutty, gravelly voice. So, so Travis, how's, how's your first week uh, as approaching 40 and your no alcohol month going? How's that going? Um, I decided if I was going to give up, I'm giving up full bore. <laughs> I gave up on that. Um, <laughs> So last week I did the Chow Chow Festival in Asheville, came straight from that into a full week of new menu testing and uh, preparation for opening our uh, vineyard tasting room to the public. Uh, then uh, this weekend I was uh, emceeing, I was partially emceeing a music festival oh. uh, here, here in Bristol called Rhythm and Roots and also pouring wine and wine slushies at our vineyard tent uh at the festival so uh yeah i got i got into that and you got a little uh, rowdy are you telling me you got a little rowdy travis oh 100 percent. well uh, at least you had a good time that's that's the important thing the jets didn't have so good a time but i have to ask so i'm familiar josh is probably familiar uh our brethren to the north have no freaking clue what chow chow is so can you explain to them what chow chow is well, the funny thing is, well, I'll, I'll preface with the, the, the fact that the, the food festival wasn't, it wasn't a I know festival that was a week of ago. chow chow. Yeah. It was, it was just the name, but, uh, that was a white cloud that just fell over. I don't know if you guys heard that. Yeah, I heard that. That was nice. 
Um, the uh, the chow chow uh, chow chow is a uh, it's it's almost like a relish that's typically made from you know at the end of the growing season, kind of getting into the fall. You've got like random random ass tomatoes on vines that you got to get off, and you got random ass cauliflower and blah 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 and corn and uh peppers that you know you, you've got to get you've got to do something with quick so you, you turn it into this kind of uh sweet and sour kind of relish that's super super integral to uh appalachian cuisine it's one of the kind of i won't say a foundation but it's one of the more uh prevalent dishes and uh and it's different wherever you go in appalachia which is kind of kind of a cool thing everyone has a different concept of of chow chow but, so. but there is nothing better on like a bowl of beans like then oh chow yeah chow. oh yep. my god chow it's chow so some good. onions and a piece of cornbread by the side and i'm 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 set so my so my wife's maiden name is is hand and her grandfather who has passed away he would talk about hand, what he called hand savers and hand savers are like anything that was cheap they could eat and so like beans and cornbread Hand saver, right? Like oh, it, that, that was like, so yeah. So they grew up, they were coal mining families and uh, yeah, they, they knew all that. So, so yeah, I, I love me some chow chow. So if you're in New York and you're having a bad week, um, go get yourself some pinto beans or uh, beans of some kind chow chow. That might cheer you up. For the people up, up North, it's, it's kind of like a country version of uh piccolilli, like the, the Italian kind of mm. pepper relish kind oh, of Oh yeah. Yeah. That they oh, put on like a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Gardeniera, Gardeniera, yeah. 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 Now you're speaking my Italian language. That's, yes. That's a great that's a great analogy. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. Yeah, but especially when you get into West Virginia, right. it turns into Piccolilli, so or Gardeniera. Oh, uh, I'll digress though. I I I'm putting off talking about this shit show. Sorry. I think I think what we're this is this is uh this is what I'm gonna ask you about next is I think we're 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 working in the five stages of grief. And so the first stage of grief is denial. So I think I think our time talking about Chow Chow and Travis being on or off the wagon, I can never remember. So there's I think a, it's on the wagon. Yeah, so there's a bar in kind of um, is it in Greenwich Village called On Off the Wagon. So I'm yep. guessing if you're off the wagon, at off the wagon, it means yeah. you're drinking. So Travis was on the wagon for like a day, and now he's back off the wagon. Um, it's it's all a double negative. Let's just say I'm back to normal. <laughs> so so get, gentlemen so so what stage of grief so i don't know if everybody knows there's five stages of grief um kind of classically you know this classic psychologist uh study and kind of you know writings i can't remember their names right now but so the stages are denial that's the first stage anger bargaining depression and then acceptance so on that spectrum of grief in terms of the 2019 jet season where are you uh, as of taping at noon on on Monday after after the drubbing by the Patriots yesterday? I think I think I'm in bargaining. I think we all, as Jets fans, start off with a healthy level of denial and anger for any season. <laughs> you start you start on second base, but I feel right. like I'm at the part where I'm thinking, all right, well, if if Darnold can play and if Herndon come back, comes back and is as impactful, if Steve McClendon and Quinnen Williams join this defensive line, like. There's a chance here that we turn this around pretty quickly, but then I look at the schedule and 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 I go back to bargaining and think, well, if Dak Prescott kind of has peaked already, and if the Patriots are looking at week seven and thinking maybe the Jets are not going to get our full attention, like are there a couple of wins we can steal? Will any Philadelphia receiver catch a football when we play them? Like I'm in the bargaining stage, thinking there's a chance. 
but I think deep down I know there is no chance. But <laughs> if there's a stage I'm at, it's it's certainly hardcore bargaining right now. Okay, you're in the bargaining stage, Travis. Where would you put yourself? I think I fast forwarded. Like I, I think I spent like five minutes in all of the prior stages and maybe kind of amalgamated them into kind of like a stew of a stage, mm-hmm. a chow chow, if you will, uh, a chow chow <laughs> of a stage. Um, a bunch of crap thrown into a jar uh, with, so, some, with a little bit of sugar and some vinegar. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm. I think I, I think I'm accepted. Like I, I'm in acceptance. Um, mm-hmm. I go through like little bits of like uh, kind of like what Josh was saying. I'm like, you know what? The back end of the schedule looks easy as crap. If we can sneak one win, but I, we're not going to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm just accepting the fact that this team is is pure and utter just steaming pile of dookie. Yeah, I think my bargaining, if I'm, if I'm, yeah, it's, it's hard to like, you know, and I don't think that you're, you like, you physically work through one stage to another. I think there's a lot of, you know, complex threads happening at the same time, generally, when someone is dealing, you know, in in some sort of grief. Um, I, I think I definitely hear your kind of bargaining, Josh, in terms of like, yeah, well, you know, Sam had mono week one and he was really bad. And right, Chris Herndon wasn't in this offense. And, you know, maybe if the cornerbacks can come together or, you know, they can, they can work on the offensive line. Right. I do. I do a lot of that stuff. I don't really think depression though. Like I, I think I've just, if, if I have that, it's generally like a Sunday night after a game or, you know, Monday night after a game. And then, and then I'm kind of into acceptance. So like, I kind of feel like I jump back and forth I don't get depressed as much as I used to, uh, but I think I jump back and forth between bargaining and acceptance. And I think, honestly, like, I think part of it is because of Adam Gase. Like, I think denial and anger, like, I jumped those stages when they hired him, and I was already, like, working in bargaining in in April. Like, you know, that kind of a thing. So, so yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm jumping back and forth between bargaining and acceptance myself. Um, I mean, basically the game was, I was watching the game yesterday. It got to like 20 zero and I was like, yeah, I think I've, I think I've gotten enough for now. I'll come back on it later, but I don't need to keep putting myself through this. Like, I know, I knew what the result was this start. And we'll just, we'll just kind of keep going from there. So, you know so gentlemen, while you we, know what's yeah, go ahead. It's, yeah. Like even in these five stages, if, if you jump on Twitter post game or the day after another loss, it's fun to watch young Jet fans who are, who are lower in the totem pole of denial and anger hear yeah. from the seasoned, depressed, and accepted Jets fans going, no, 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 you don't understand. This is not going to – like the 21-year-old tweeting, well, we could figure this out, but I'm so mad at Adam Gase. And, and the 57-year-old Jet fan going, listen, man, you just got to accept it. This is what it means to be a Jet fan. It is fantastic to watch that happen weekly on, on, on Twitter. You guys got to do it. I have been, and so to that point, uh, I think right now we need to get on Twitter and check the timeline, and and as such, uh, my tweet that I saw came this morning, so this is this is Monday morning, from none other than our friend Chris Nimbley, the, the man, the myth, the legend of Jets Insider fame, and so someone had sent him, uh, I'll read like the tweet, the reply to Chris, and then Chris has replied to it, so he says, we can't judge a coach playing a third string quarterback. We wait in, until Darnold is healthy to make the judgment on Gase. No wins yesterday with third string quarterback. And so, so, but this is, so basically, right, kind of the pay, bargaining, whatever. 
or denial, maybe. Um, and, uh, and and Chris's reply is like, I'm not criticizing Gase for losing, right? I think most teams in that situation, they're going to lose. He says, I'm not crit- criticizing Gase for losing. I'm criticizing for how he's losing. There's a huge difference. And Travis, I think that goes to your point earlier of like, hey, can the offense score points? Like, can we actually have the offense outscore the defense in special teams, which we did not see at all yesterday? So, right, are we criticizing Gase for how he's losing or for the losing or both? I think it's both. And then also just hearing him after games, you know, I, 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 I kind of got to an okay point with him, you know, just, just hearing him talking pressers and things like that leading up to the season. But now like he's just constantly throwing all of the players under the bus and it doesn't seem like he's accepting any blame. And it's, I can already see like rumblings, like hearing uh, Le'Veon Bell after the game talking about how uh, they were uh, out called quote unquote mm-hmm. on the field that, that, that the Patriots, you know, had answers to everything that they were, they were going to do. So the players are already starting to talk about how they're, they're getting out coached. You've got Jamal Anderson. That's pissed off. You've got, I, I don't know. I don't even know how I got to this point in this this, this conversation. Uh, I think I just left the point and walked away. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think no, but I think you make a good point that like and and yeah, we definitely need to get back to like Gase in the locker room. I think we'll and the and the media's role. We'll, we'll jump into that a little bit later. Josh, what did, what did you think when you when you went out to Twitter and what did you find? Yeah, I went I went straight to straight to the the mouth of the monster itself. So I went to Manisha's timeline just to figure out. This morning, what, what the conversation would be. It's so at 9.37 a.m. this morning, Monday, September 23rd. Adam Gase's offensive rankings. Total yards, 32nd. Yards per play, 32nd. Scoring, 32nd. First downs per game, you got it, 32nd. Passing, yep, 32nd. Third down percentage, a little Ooh. better, 31st. Running, 28th. Yards per rush attempt, 29th. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying that in the areas where it matters in today's NFL, we are actually worse than the Miami Dolphins guys. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, oh, that is. Uh, I don't need to hear that. But what I, if there's any caveat I would put on that is here's here's how he's looking at it, and I do not like Adam Gase. I have been clear about me not liking Adam Gase forever. That is pure compilation-based, right? That is not efficiency-based. Like, we're not taking into account the defense that they've seen. I think the Bills' defense has proven to be a pretty good defense. I think the Patriots' defense has more than adequately proved that they're the best defense so far this year. Cleveland defense, hmm, hard to say, probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think they they certainly have some some great players in that group. So I will be curious to see how that changes, when or if the schedule the schedule defenses lighten up. But right to the point, like they don't really lighten up. I mean, who do they have? They get the Patriots again. They get Dallas again. Like you know, there's only a few games in there that they really mix into some bad defenses in the next in the next month or two. Uh, but yeah, that's not good. And I mean, I think what you would say is, I'd love to look at the numbers. I, I can't do it right now. That's worse than last year with Todd Bowles, right? Yeah, it's awful. Yep. <laughs> I mean, now granted, two two back backup quarterbacks have played the majority of the snaps so far this season. You know, if you're counting Luke Falk and Trevor Simeon over what Sam Darnold put together in the first game, um, but still, this is the offensive mastermind that the, that this group was supposed to bring in, and and what is it yielding? Well, seemingly not that much. 
Travis, anything on your timeline? Uh, I would say my favorite was probably from Scott at a play like a jet one. Yes. Uh, it goes greatest victories in jets franchise history ranked number one jets defeat Colts January, 1969 win super bowl three. Number two jets defeat Patriots January, 2011. Number three jets defeat chargers January, 2010. Number four jets defeat Jaguars January, uh, 1999. Number five, Jets defeat Raiders, January 1983. Number six, Jets defeat the spread. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Tremendous. <sighs> Thank you, Kudos, Scott. Scott. I love this team. This if you fun. don't laugh, you're going to cry, right? So you might as well laugh. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. Any, any, uh, any specific thoughts about that? Are we going to start betting – Betting the Jets against the spread now is that is that the play the rest of the season? I mean, no, I feel I, like there's a couple games coming up where there's the Dallas and Philly games might be some interesting spreads if Darnold's back. You know, there's there's some play there if we want to if we want to turn this into a gambling podcast for sure. Yeah, we might have to uh, gambling. That's bargaining. Oh, bargaining is part bargaining, of bargaining. Yes. Yeah, no, that's different than gambling. Okay, all right. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about. It. We got to get into it a little bit deeper. We've kind of hit on the high levels. I just I just want to make something clear, right? So if there's a bright spot in this, guys, it's that Adam Gase is such genius. He got the defense and the special teams to score all the team's points, right? And that is not what the Patriots were expecting, right? So like in that way, he did really well. Is is that right? Is that good? Electric. Is that is that a good is that good logic, Josh? He is playing checkers, not chess. Or wait, which one is it? Right, yeah. He he's playing checkers against someone playing chess, but he's winning at checkers. I think. Yeah, but he's also using like pieces from uh, like the game of life. <laughs> and like, like a, a couple pennies, a couple yeah. pennies and nickels and just whatever you can kind of there's a, pull. There's the dog from the Monopoly set being played as a as a pawn. There's a red number eight Uno card. I mean, oh, I, I, I just don't think he knows what's going on. Oh, it's a reverse. It's a reverse. <laughs> I skipped you. I skipped Here comes another bubble screen. What are you going to do now? Play like a jet. Play like a jet. So, I mean, yeah, th- this is this is problematic. As you said, you know, with, with Manish's tweet. Thanks, Manish. Um, you know, defense is really bad. We are seeing signs of life on uh, – offense is really bad. Excuse me. The defense, you know, we've seen some signs of life from the – very expected places, right? Most notably, Jamal Adams' interception of uh, how do you say that guy's name? Stidham, Stidham, um, Jared Stidham. Yeah, Jared Stidham yesterday, um, and the run back. It was funny because, like, I was watching, and as soon as the pick happened, I I kind of was like, "Oh, somebody blow up Brady!" And then I realized, "Oh man, he's not even in the game to blow him up." And it's just, I just, I was like, "Oh." The one opportunity, you know, to, you could get to just blow up Brady didn't happen. So, so yeah, when when special teams is is you know scoring off a muff punt and Jamal Adams is running back scores, and that's the only way your team is is scoring. Like, but you're hired to be this you know offensive mastermind. Like, is this going as he expected? Like, I just have to ask. Like, do you think this is how Adam Gase, understanding that Sam Darnold's out of the picture, regardless? Did he expect that this is how the first month of his tenure with the Jets was going to be, or this is this is a surprise to him? Like, what do we think he's thinking today? Not his fault. Not his fault. Yeah, yeah like after after hearing him talk and everything, like he's 
he's not taking any blame for this. And, you know, I, th- I think it, the, the blame rests sho- like completely on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if, if we go back, I mean, if you go back to the Bills game, I mean, we're, you know, we're two, a little over two weeks removed from the first game of the season. Even then we were starting to have some, some early concerns about the play calling from the, from the, right. from the offensive guru. And so, you know, he, he was playing at, I know we didn't have Herndon week one, I get that, but like he was playing with, with 51 of his 52 cards or 52 of his 53 cards. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's not like it was an inspired play calling in week one. And so, you know, I know it's a super small sample size. And ever since that game, literally everything that could go wrong for this team has gone wrong. So I give him some grace. But, I mean, guys, this is stuff we've been talking about since he was hired, is, is what pedigree are you actually bringing into this team? What have we actually seen you do successfully other than be kind of buddies with Peyton Manning? And so um, the concerns remain for me. You know, I don't know if the last three weeks are the – nail in the coffin but you know certainly over over the second half of this mm. of this season if everybody comes back healthy it's it's gonna have to be considered whether or not this is the guy moving forward well and i think that's what i want to get to is it sure seems like the media like the honeymoon is over right and so when i look at the post game quotes um from from the game and and the questions and the ways in which those questions are being asked to adam gase now and there's a lot of couching of things, but like I'll read, I'll read a couple questions and answers just as just as highlights here. So here's a question. Question one: Adam, the offensive line is veteran group, and there are no rookies. How disappointing is it to see the way they are performing? Answer: Yeah, we got to look at a lot of things over this bye week. I mean, I I thought I would never would say week four bye week. I'm glad it's here, but I mean, we got to address some things. Uh, we got to figure out what's going on. We're not we're not in sync. Um, we're not doing a good job working together, uh, kind of all over the place. Um, so a lot we got to get fixed. Um, and then it's questions like, is this something you can simplify? Will you consider making changes to the offensive line moving forward? To which his answer is, we've got to look at everything. And then here, here's where it starts getting a little, the, the teeth start bearing from the hyenas, right? You were hired uh, because of your offensive acumen. And I know it's not all on you, but how embarrassing is it that you guys – did not convert a third down and average 2.2 yards per play. And then his answer, yeah, it's brutal. It's one of those things that are infuriating. You're watching the defense special teams play as hard as they can, executing what they're asking, being asked to do, and they're doing it well the majority of the game, and we're not holding up our end of the offense. And then, you know, there's you know some questions about, like, why not run trick plays? And he gives some good answers about, you know, when – Trick plays, you know, when you're backed up, uh, that's that's hard to do. But then here, here's one of the last ones that was kind of in the in the quotes. Sam Darnold struggled week one. Trevian, Trevi, Trevor Simeon struggled week two. And now Luke Falk struggled week three. Your reputation is a really good offensive coach, but all three quarterbacks have, all three quarterbacks have struggled. As far as you're concerned, what do you think is going on? As far as what you're able to do, answer. That's what we're going to look over the bye week. So is this the kind of inspiring confidence as a leader, as a general that you're expecting from your coach? Or is this, what is, what is happening? What I think we've kind of, we've been, we've been talking about this for a little bit now, but it seems like we are two to three more bad games away from at a minute, like at a, at a maximum one or two more bad games away, maybe at a minimum of of the media just full on revolting against this guy. Do you do you guys agree with that or disagree with that? I agree with that. I mean, uh, 
Manish is going to keep stoking that fire. And if he doesn't come up with any answers, I mean, I, I, I don't see any way that they wouldn't. I mean, I think the fans were already starting to revolt to it to an extent from what I see on the timelines and, you know, talking to you guys today, like I'm, I'm not stoked about this guy. I'm not, it's, it's getting worse every week. My, my, my thoughts on him. So I, I don't see any way possible that anyone's going to, going to be okay with him from the media. They're going to just tear into him. I think, uh, Josh, I'm curious what you think, but one thing that we, we kind of hinted at before is like, if players start defecting, like then it's really going to get bad. But Josh, what, what do you think about this guy and kind of the way, where the media is with him at this point? Yeah, I, I think I think there's been from from that inaugural press conference with with his kind of crazy stares going on. There's been you know just a little bit of, of blood in the water for a very bloodthirsty media crew in New York, and so I, I'm 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 always glad for hard questions. I mean, you know, on, on a thirty thousand foot level, these guys are making a lot of money. Um, they're making, um, they're, they're very public figures and, and you get to do it playing or coaching a game that you've probably grown up loving your whole life. And so to me, there's, there's no problem with some of the scrutiny, um, and, and being asked tough questions. What, what I've never appreciated about Adam Gase is I don't, I don't feel like we've ever gotten just a genuine answer. And I know kind of the MO for NFL coaches is to not say anything to just be kind of bland, but man, like this, I, I think the media, you know, e- even as they're asking some of those questions, they're, they're looking for something to hang their hat on, not just they don't want to out the guy, but they do want to have something that they can actually, you know, ha- have as a conversation. I mean, I, as a Jets fan and, you know, even talking with you guys on a weekly basis, it would be fun to have some thoughtful answers from Adam Gase on, hey, the first three weeks we've really tried to establish the run and here's the six things we've done to try to do that or we're really trying to spread the ball out and get some guys in space. But it's never those those answers. It's just well, we're not executing and, you know, we got to get better at that. And, you know, the media is just going to at some point stop writing about them, um, stop asking questions and stop talking. And that's going to ultimately be the reason why, you know, he, he's going to be on the outs with his guys. So you know, I, I think he's in an interesting position. Um, the team's in an interesting position and the media's in, a, in, in, in an interesting position. And I think he could do well to, to kind of endear himself and give a little bit behind the curtain so, so that the media maybe starts to ask sort of some more thoughtful questions and not feel like they're running into brick walls every time he has a press conference. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. There was a time, you know, sliding doors, right? That old, old movie, like where just the smallest thing, you know, can totally impact and make for a completely different life. Do you remember there was a time when the Jets were talking to Cliff Kingsbury? Like, do you remember that? That was, that was not that Absolutely. long ago. Oh and, yeah, and he, and here's what I'll say. So the Cardinals, so far on the season, what are they? Oh, oh and three, oh two and one, or something. I can't remember. Um, yeah, they, they tied. tied. They tied. Yeah, they tied. Thank you. So, so they're oh two and one now. Now, granted, you know, it's it's not been pretty for the Cardinals, you know, so far in terms of the wins and the losses. But if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm feeling a hell of a lot better about the Cardinals team than I am about the Jets team. Now, granted, mm-hmm. did they have some? things that the Jets don't have. Yes, they had David Johnson. Yes, they had Larry Fitzgerald. Yes, they had Christian Kirk. Um, uh, they basically have a terrible offensive line too, though. And, you know, clearly their defense is, is, is porous and, and, you know, giving up, uh, giving up some plays. But, like, when you look at what Cliff Kingsbury is doing in the NFL, you see, like, basically Larry Fitzgerald, just I'm trying to use this as an example. Larry Fitzgerald has had more, downfield targets 
in the first three weeks of the season, I believe, and really the first two weeks. I don't think he was targeted deep much against the Ravens. Um, but in, in the first two or three weeks of the season, then he has had like in the last 10 years, some crazy thing. I'll find the stat and put it on my, uh, put it on my Twitter. Uh, but they're, they're doing defined different things to push and make players get open um, and use them in ways in which, you know, many coaches prior had not used Larry Fitzgerald. Now it's working. How long will it work? I don't know. Um, but he is opening up that offense. Um, he is, you know, kind of breathing new life into that group. And now, hey, maybe Adam Gase is there and maybe it's the same result or maybe Cliff Kingsbury is in New York. And I'm not saying I wanted Cliff Kingsbury to be the coach for sure, but, you know, maybe he's doing innovative and interesting things. Um, and even if it's not reflecting in the um, in the records, like – I enjoy, I've watched a couple Cardinals games or kind of bits and pieces of Cardinals games so far this season. I enjoy watching that team. Now, maybe I don't have a vested interest, but I'm fascinated to see what they're doing. And they basically have not even run Kyler Murray yet. Like they, they haven't even, you know, taken that off, uh, you know, that, the, uh, the cover off that. So when I think about two teams and kind of where they're going and where they're trending and the kinds of coaches and the coaches that we're interviewing with the Jets and one who essentially we let get away, that's the kind of thing that drives me crazy, right? And, but there's nothing I can do about it at this point other than, be depressed and then, you know, go to acceptance. But when you think about other teams, what you're seeing, some of these other coaches that were in or around the jets or, you know, potentially part of like, are you, are you starting to watch what other, other teams are doing versus what the jets are doing gentlemen? Yeah, I think, I think a couple of things there, obviously the, the Kings, the Kingsbury kind of comps don't sit well in, in my mm-hmm. jets heart because, you know, it, it's hard to watch a team, just have fun offensively. And I know their offensive line is not good. I mean, it's still not a good football team in Arizona, but there are unique things that he is doing. This this felt like, and you know, you can go back to, to March when the Jets made this hire, um, you know, or April. And, and I remember the three of us talking that day and saying, it already feels like, you know, Adam Gase and Chip Kelly, like kind of the previous generation's, you know, one round ago kind of offensive gurus that are either now not, have not done well, or, you know, Chip Kelly at UCLA this last weekend, they had a crazy offensive comeback. But other than that, he is, he's had a couple of uninspiring weeks at UCLA. It feels like the things that they were doing six years ago are now kind of standard practice across most of football. And so then you have to innovate again. And that's what Kingsbury seems to be doing. It's obviously what Sean McVay is doing. And so, you know, it just feels like we, we whiffed and waited one round or went, went back one round too far. And, and now we feel stale. Everything feels stagnant and nothing feels unique. So um, I think I think that's where I'm interested in, in kind of figuring out what they do next and if Adam Gase can salvage this and get rid of maybe a Craig Williams in the offseason, do something differently defensively, bring in somebody unique offensively to give him some assistance and a little bit of creativity. But as of right now, yeah, it's, it's hard to look out at what some of these other young guys are doing that could have been Jets coaches and, and just mourning the fact that they're not here. Travis, if you uh, if you have a thought, like, what do you think about um, like when, if Darnold comes back in week five, right? As he's slated to do, um, does a healthy Sam Darnold change this offense, this team significantly? I mean, you know, one player I don't think ever completely changes a team. I mean, the team is going to be what they're going to be. I, I feel like we'll have 
a little bit more hope, and at least, you know, we're going to get to see Darnold developing a little bit. Hold on a second. Sorry, my, my neighbor is yelling. Um, <laughs> I don't know what my neighbor is yelling at. Um, so, I'm yelling at Adam Gates. She's yelling at the yeah. Yeah. She's not. She's not stoked at Adam Gase either. Um, <laughs> so, well, I don't think one player is going to change. And that being said, you know, I think I talked about it last week. I talk about it all the time. I'm like, oh man, if CJ comes back, it's that that bargaining that we're all talking about. Of mm-hmm. you know, it, it might be a little bit better, but I, I, I don't. You know, unless the offensive line starts uh, understanding blocking schemes, um, and unless, unless Mister uh, Kenny Loggins, Doyle Logans, whatever his freaking name is. Uh, starts, you know, putting together, you know, blocking schemes that work. Um, I'm, I'm seeing this mono as almost a, uh, a, a godsend because mm-hmm. I, I'm thankful that Sam Darnold is not behind there. You know, if he was behind there last week, would he be the one with a broken ankle? You know, yeah, looking at a, at, a, at a wasted season. Um, you know, maybe, maybe this, this mono thing is, is like the first blessing we've gotten in yeah. disguise. The Jets fans, uh, but I, I don't see it changing because I feel like he's, he's you know, he, he's missed time developing last year. He's missing time developing this year. So, you know, even, even with him coming back, I'm hopeful, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what any of it means for the yeah. future, you know? Well, it's, I mean, the one thing I would say is, you know, I, I mean, I was, I almost too, too much was comparing what Baker Mayfield last year was doing to what Sam Darnold was doing this year. Um, and, you know, now, I mean, Baker has had three games and he is, struggled he has really struggled um and you know there's reasons for that but i mean let's face it the weapons that baker mayfield by and large you know kind of on average Le'Veon bell's great but i think nick chubb is you know close not knocking on the door let's say and then you know in terms of his receivers oh my goodness you know baker mayfield has a much better group of receivers um so so i look at that and i'm like you know mate right maybe um, there's more things at play here. Maybe it's second year kind of sophomore slump stuff or whoever, whoever knows, but right to your point, I, I like that idea that, you know, maybe we were spared uh, Sam Darnold, you know, with having mono. I, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's an interesting way to, to think about it, but right. If these guys come back, if Herndon comes back, if Sam Darnold comes back, if CJ Mosley comes back, um, uh, you know, if, if this all happens, I certainly think it makes them a better team, um, but right to what end. And so I think, you know, we're going to have a lot to think about in the bye week and uh, the rest of the, the play like jet crew is going to, going to have a lot of interesting um, uh, stuff this week. So stay tuned there. Um, I think next week, I would say we should do, what do you guys think? Should we do like a mailbag show? Like we can just solicit people on Twitter or email to just ask us questions and we can kind of just run through give our answers. Does that sound like something that might be fun or cathartic? I like that idea. Okay. I, I would love to see the types of questions we could get. And then I think we should also bring a question for each other. <laughs> Let's bring in a question for each, for okay. each, each guy on this podcast. So okay. That, that sounds good. That sounds good. So we will each have one question. Jets or non-Jets related, Travis? Uh, uh, Josh, sorry. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do dealer's one. choice. Dealer's yeah. Choice. Okay. I, I say we bring, we bring two to the table. It's it's okay. one Jets, one non Jets. Okay, that that sounds fair. I like that. I like that. So so we will so we will do that. That will be what we have on slate for next week. So stay tuned to our Twitter um, Twitter feeds over the next couple of days. We'll be soliciting questions and then we'll be queuing them up, um, taking the best, most outlandish, um, 
most thought provoking ones and, and we'll queue them up for next week, kind of coming off the bye week. Um, thank you to everybody for who's listening. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Josh. Um, we will be back next week. Stay tuned to the network. Lots of good content coming up this week. And uh, hopefully Travis's voice will be repaired by next week. It will be. I'm sorry. <laughs> Enjoy the bye week, Jets fans. One week without a loss. Yay.